Majestic is your name in all the earth. Oh Lord, our oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. The heavens declare your greatness. The oceans cry out to you. The mountains, they bow down before you. So I'll join with the earth and I'll give my praise to you. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. The heavens declare your greatness. The oceans cry out to you. The mountains, they bow down before you. So I'll join with the earth and I'll give my praise to you. We will remember, we will 
thank you, God, for your goodness. Lord, your goodness, your righteousness. And Lord, that you would want to be in a relationship with us. Lord, that you, you really want to be close to us. And, and Lord, I thank you for these times like this when we worship you and we praise you and we focus on you. 
Lord, it's an act of drawing closer, and your word says that if we'll draw near to you, you'll draw near to us. So we thank you, God, for your presence in this place. We thank you for every blessing. But most of all we do, we thank you for your presence because your presence makes all the difference. Hallelujah, God. We just praise you. You are so good. You are so good. And we love you. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, let's take some time and greet someone. Maybe go all the way across the sanctuary this morning. It went from a high decibel right. It slowed down pretty good. Some of you are still talking. I'm sure I've shared this before, but I remember, I remember in grade school, a teacher would always say, on rainy days, everybody's more talkative. I don't know why that is or what it is, but that's good. That's a sign of a healthy church when you can actually enjoy people. How many would like to extend that greeting time maybe by 20 minutes? <laughs> Open the cafe again. We'll have coffee. Well, then we'll come back over. We'll worship. You know what we'll do? We'll extend worship. We'll double worship, and then we'll take a break in the cafe, come back, and then, I don't know. You got to experiment. You got to be flexible. You got to think outside the box. Anyways, if you are a, a guest of ours here today, first time, second time, please, if you would, in the seat back in front of you, there's a connect card. Fill that out. On your way out of church today, stop at the information desk, and we've got a bag of gifts that we'd like you to take home. A couple mugs, a beautiful devotional, and some other items. So we hope you'll do that for us. And right now, we'd like our ushers to prepare to receive today's offering. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to give to you from our hearts. And Lord, I pray that you would bless each tithe and each offering, each giver. Lord, we ask for your touch in our lives. And Lord, that we would, that we would enjoy bringing our gifts to you. And I pray again that you'd bless each gift and each giver in Jesus' name. Amen.
Just a couple quick announcements. We last Wednesday began a new series on Wednesday night concerning the minor prophets. Not, you know, not smaller. Well, the books are smaller, but they're not smaller. They're going to be just as important when you meet them in heaven. The minor prophets. We started in through Hosea. We'll continue this Wednesday. Also, a reminder that the winter youth retreat final payment is due next Sunday. So if you have a young person going on that, please make sure you take care of that business this week or by Sunday at the latest. And then finally, this coming Saturday is our annual Lego Derby, and that's from 9 to 140. And uh, we've been asked if you would help move chairs out of the way at the end of service today. Okay, after everything's over, if you would just help us to clear this spot because we need room for the track and spectators and all that kind of stuff. So I uh, hope you will join us in moving chairs and then hope you'll join us on Saturday. And now Pastor Hans is coming with another message on Back to Basics. Well, good morning, everyone. How are you doing? How many enjoyed the uh, uh, nice peak of sunshine yesterday? I drove back from Christiana, this silly thing. I drove back from Christiana with my windows down. Huh? Weren't you feeling that warmth? It felt good. I mean, I'm a, I'm a winter fan, but I love that. That was a good time. Well, as Pastor said, I'm going to be speaking about giving. And uh, I've got 27 pages of notes, so we should get out of here in about two and a half hours. It's going to be incredible. Uh, we're going to have a great time. But when you think about giving, and actually, Pastor found a penny this morning. If this is anybody's, you found it right here at the altar. So if this is yours and you're meant to give it, it'll go in the offering, but it is there right now. Uh, giving as an act of worship really is as, as old as time. Uh, you look to the first family uh, with Adam and Eve and their children in Genesis chapter 4. Abel kept flocks, Cain worked the soil. During the course of time, Cain brought some of the first fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, and Abel brought an offering of fat portions from some of his firstborn flock. From the beginning, giving as a response in worship to God has just been a part of humanity, of the human experience. And if you go further in the Old Testament, we see Abraham before the law uh, was in, in Genesis 14. Uh, in response to victory from being able to regain his son-in-law or his, uh, his nephew Lot and his family's possessions and, and be able to take them back from being in captivity, he praises God and he gives uh, a tithe, a tenth, to Melchizedek, the priest of God. And not only does it stop, it doesn't stop there, it continues with the people of God when they actually become the people of God in Exodus 35. We see in verse 5 that they're taking an offering 
for a special project. How many have ever been a part of giving to an offering for a special project before? Maybe a building, a missions project. Those really are fun, aren't they? Because it's fun. It's kind of like the, the, the red needle you get to see, you know, every week grows and we're almost at our goal. They're, they're exciting. And in, in the book of Exodus 35, the instruction is in verse 5, from what you have, take an offering for the Lord, everyone who is willing to bring to the Lord an offering. And I love it because it says, from what you have. He doesn't say, God doesn't say, or Moses doesn't say, max out your credit cards and come in and we need to get this done. Take out a, a, a home equity loan. He doesn't say that. But he says, from what you have. And then he says this, from everyone who is willing. Like everyone who's willing. Like this is something you're wanting to do. Not somebody's twisting your arm. And um, you look at their response is, is amazing. Is amazing. Exodus 36, 4 through 7. So all the skilled workers who were doing all the work in the sanctuary left what they were doing and said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work the Lord commanded to be done. Then Moses gave an order, and they sent this word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people, this is what it says, the people were restrained, held back. Stop, wait, don't go any further. Hold up, hold up. They were restrained from bringing more because what they already had was more than enough to do all the work in building the tabernacle, all the ornaments and the things that they needed, the utensils for, uh, for building uh, uh, and worship, all these were, were there, was, there was more than enough to do it. They were actually restrained. Maybe, maybe our pastor has, I don't know. I've never been in a church or in any type of Christian nonprofit organization where they've said, hey, hey, hey that's enough. Stop all your giving. Knock it, I see you over there trying to sneak in, no. I've never seen that, you know, and, and really in history, this is a rare moment where this happens. So from the first family to Abraham to the Israelites trying to, to get everything situated for the tabernacle and getting that built, even to the, uh, the temple when it's built. You look again, the people of Israel are following David, following the leaders in their generosity in building the temple. 1 Chronicles 29, verse 9 says this, And the people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David the king also greatly rejoiced. See, this is the type of joy, passion, generosity, and worship that God elicits in people. When you serve Jesus, there's something inside of you, his spirit, that just wants to be a part of what he is doing. And another reason for the giving, uh, that giving is so universal, is that we're made in the image of God, and we were created to create, to contribute, to give of ourselves. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, reads this way, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works, which God prepared for in advance for us to do. See, with this giving and generosity comes a joy, and that's really what I want to talk about today, the joy of giving. 
the joy of giving. And um, my prayer for, for you, for me, for every person here is that you would find a new joy in giving. Maybe giving has never been a part of your worship. It hasn't ever been a part of your expression of worship. I want to challenge you today to be able to make that a part and find the joy that's from giving. Maybe you're here today, possibly you're sitting here, and you uh, have uh, all kinds of years experience in giving. And my prayer for you that, that God would restore to you a new joy in giving uh, that you've never experienced before. And just to make sure everybody's on the same page, just because we all may be coming from a different context in, in some place, but just to make sure we're on the same page, today's message is going to assume that you agree with God on the baseline for giving for a believer, which is the tithe. And I'm going to talk about that just really quick, is the tithe. Perhaps you're here today, maybe you're not a Christian, you don't, you, you, you respect God, you think that Jesus, you know, may be the son of God, but you haven't really made that commitment, but you know, that's kind of where you're at in life. You're just not really sure you respect God, but you're just not certain if, if you really want to follow him necessarily. We believe that the true joy of giving flows from a heart that God rules. When, 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 uh, when we accept Christ, the Spirit of God lives in us. That's what makes us, turns us from being dead to being alive. Makes us alive. And because of that faith that we have, um, there's, a, there's a heart to give. There's a heart and a desire to give. And, and, and possibly you're a Christian here. You believe that, uh, you believe that you're not under grace uh, under the law anymore, but you're under grace. You're not under the law, the, the requirements of the law, and, and you're under grace. And I would wholeheartedly agree with that. Uh, but there are, are some folks that believe because that's true, that uh, they just, I just give, I just give what I can, what I can. It just, I, I'm, I'm under grace. And, and I, I would, I would say, I would challenge that thought with this. I would say this. That, that that reality of being under the grace of God, which is powerful, true, and absolutely um, the reality for those that are in Christ. The reality with that most generous, that, that because of that, people should be more generous than ever. More generous than ever. I have often found that reality doesn't translate into generous people. And so I want to suggest today that a good biblical starting point is the tithe. Uh, Billy Graham said it this way. He said about his own personal home and family, he said, we have found in our home, as have thousands of others, that God's blessing upon the nine-tenths when we tithe helps it to go farther than ten-tenths without his blessing. You can say amen there. Say amen. Okay, that's cool. See, the tithe helps us. I want you to hear this. The tithe helps us lay out a pattern of giving that makes what Jesus talks about in Matthew 6. When you look at the, uh, uh, the, the book of Exodus and the, and the Ten Commandments that were given, and then you look at Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and you say that Jesus says, I've come to, not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. 
Well, the tithe helps us lay out a pattern of giving that makes what Jesus talked about in Matthew 6 about giving to the needy, not knowing, letting your left hand know what your right hand doing, letting there be generosity and pure motives. It makes that possible. And without a pattern, without a habit of giving, living a grace-filled, generous, joyful giving life will really never be a reality. So here we go. We're going to jump in. We're going to be talking about the joy of giving, the joy of giving. Everyone ready to get a little joy in your giving today? Just put that smile on your face, right? Okay. So number one, there is joy in giving when it is not fueled by guilt. Anybody familiar with guilt here? Don't raise your hand. Please do not raise your hand. You're familiar with guilt. I think we all are at some level. We do things out of guilt. We call that person out of guilt. We do this out of guilt. You may have even done things serving in the church here that I've asked you to do out of guilt. Well, I guess so, you know. And I get it. I, I, I completely understand. And so we're all familiar with guilt. But there's joy in giving when it's not fueled by guilt. Deuteronomy 15.10 says, Give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. And then in 2 Corinthians 9.7, it says, You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, or we could say guilt. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Uh, guilt is an effective fuel. How many of you agree with that? Guilt can be an effective fuel. I mean, guilt can make you do all kinds of work and all kinds of things. You understand that. You've experienced that in your life. Some of you are more susceptible to guilt than others uh, just by your temperament, your past, different things like that. But it is, it is effective, but it's really temporary. It's really temporary. It's kind of like the same way that adrenaline works. Uh, adrenaline is effective and powerful when you're trying to run away from a leopard. Like, you want adrenaline to make your body become superhuman and be able to run at speeds that you've never run before. You know, uh, running over people to get where you need to go. That, that type of adrenaline. But you can't live like that, right? If you, if you had adrenaline coursing through your body all the time, you're going to have a heart attack. You're going to be in the hospital. You can't live like that. And in the same way with guilt, there's no joy in giving when it's, and it's fueled by guilt. And uh, people that, that do things reluctantly or under pressure... They're not fully in. They're not fully in. Examples of that could be in giving. You know, when there's, a, when there's like, oh, man, I guess I should. Uh, oh. You know, they're not fully in. In a marriage, you know, when everything you do is guilt. Oh, for crying out loud, I guess I ought to do that. Yeah, yeah I haven't done this in a while. Oh, man. Okay, you know, when, 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 when the driving force of your marriage is just guilt, that's, that's a hard, that's difficult. That would be difficult. Uh, a job, when you're, when you're reluctant or under pressure and there's no, there's no joy in that and guilt is constant, that your job becomes uh, truly a job, a labor of not love, just a labor. Uh, when it comes to reaching a goal, if there's guilt in reaching the goal, you're like, ah, okay, you know, so you, 
how am I going to fit that in? Those kind of things go on in your head. See, when, 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 you're, when someone's reluctant or under pressure, they're not fully in. And the type of giving that I want to have you consider to invite you in comes from a place of gratefulness, comes from a place of cheerfulness, happiness, joyfulness. It's like um, the difference between a family member or a friend that comes, and I'll use some example, uh, your basement has three feet of water in it, let's say, and you have people that show up to help you, and they're like, yeah, what do we need? What do we need to do? They're like, I don't even want to be here. I love you, but I don't want to be around here. I'm not interested in helping you. And then you have, you know, and they kind of go, okay, pump this, uh, you know, it's just like, ah, uh, they, they don't want to be there. You don't even want them there because you're like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to hear the end of this. They're going to be like, remember when I helped you with your basement? You know, you don't, you don't even want to hear the end of that. But then there's the people that come over and they bring like a casserole with them because, you know, you, know, you won't have time to eat. And they, they bring five extra things that you might need. And they call two people to come on over. Like those people are in. They're, they're, they're fully in. They can't wait to be able to, to help you. They're, they're not necessarily excited about it. But there's something about their energy. There's something about their giving of themselves in that moment that's just full of something good that you know is so helpful and that's what you want and it's what you need. See, giving that's joyful giving comes from that place. It's not fueled by guilt, but it's freeing. It's exciting. It's joyful. Number two, there is joy in giving because we can accomplish much more together. There's joy in giving because there's something about when we do things together that's powerful. Uh, Paul is writing some instruction to the Corinthian church, and he says this in chapter 16, verse 1 and 2. He says, now regarding your question about the money being collected for God's people in Jerusalem, I'll talk about that quickly in a moment, you should follow the same procedures that I gave, gave to the churches in Galatia. On the first day of the week, you should each put aside a portion of the money you have earned. Don't wait until I get there and then try to collect it all at once. See, Jerusalem was experiencing a famine in the mid-first century, and the believers there were experiencing it. Uh, people were hearing about it all over the region. And the Corinthian church was not the only church helping. He actually says, uh, he mentions the churches in Galatia. He talks about these and says, hey, uh, I'd like to have you do it the same way we've done it in another church. It worked well there. Let's do it. Let's do it the same way. And uh, he gives them some simple instructions on the best way to prepare for the offering. He says, listen, this is kind of tried and true. This is what we asked him to do in Galatia. I really believe it'll work well for you here. He says, on the first day of the week, you know, people were, were often paid in those days per day or as per job. And so in the first part of the week, a set time, a set moment, I want you to put this aside. Whatever you're going to give, whatever's your part, whatever you want to give, set it aside for this day and then set aside a portion of that money you earn. So take a day and take an amount and set it there. And he says, don't wait until the last minute. Last minute. Everything is worse last minute. I mean, there are a few occasions 
where over the years, Jody and I have done something last minute that's been really fun. Like spontaneity really can be fun. And those of you that live off of spont, everything you do is spontaneous. I can, I can, I would, I would bet my next paycheck that your life is very chaotic. You can't live like that. Like, I wonder what we're going to do with everything today. I don't know. We're going to work. We don't go to, I don't know. Let's, yes. You know, you can't live like that. But, you know, having some spontaneity and things, it really is fun. But for this, Paul's saying, don't be, don't be spontaneous. Be strategic. Think about it. When are you going to, what day, what amount, and put it aside. Because if you wait till I get here, it's chaos. And this got money for this got spent for that. And then, oh, my word, it's, it's, like a, it's like a big nightmare. Don't do that. There is no doubt that we can accomplish more together. You've experienced it here. Uh, think about yard work. You have to go out and do yard work. Man, isn't it great when you have extra hands? Uh, that's why I had four children. That is the, literally the reason I needed help. I needed help. And, and we, one, one, year, uh, one year, we full, not like barely, full black 55-gallon or whatever those trash-sized trash bags are, we did 91 bags of leaves on our, on our, I mean, can you believe that? And I'd say, if I had to do that all alone, uh, well, I wouldn't have. Um, <laughs> But we did that, and they remember, they remember all those leaves and picking a, hey, stick party, and hey, firewood, come on, who can carry the most? You know, when they're little, you can dupe them so quickly. Who can, you know, Hans, Hannah can carry more than you? What are you saying? And Hans has got, you know, 15 pieces of firewood. Oh, I'm not going to let her beat me. You know, that's, that's, what, that's what we did, and, and you have experienced that. When you have to do uh, tasks, when you're trying to reach a goal, and you have people doing it with you, that's exciting. You know, and, and it's powerful and you can do more. Uh, we have people here that have been on missions trips and you're trying to accomplish a task and work on something. Uh, it is great to have more people because you can do far more together than you could ever do by yourself. And that's just a fact. Even our own fellowship, the Assemblies of God. When we were, when we were formed in 1914 in Hot Springs, Arkansas, that really the, the desire there or the recognition there is we're all doing this separately. We're all kind of here. Some of us have been kicked out of our church because we're speaking in tongues and praying for people to be healed. We're getting kicked out of our churches and we're just, we're just scattered. If we come together, we can do more. We can do more. And, and, and the phrase that is our, our, one, of our, <laughs> one of our benchmark, hallmark phrases is that because of our uh, uh, joining together and forming uh, a, a, a fellowship of churches, we could, we could accomplish the greatest evangelism the world has ever seen. The greatest evangelism the world has ever seen. That may be a true fact, what God has used our fellowship, and not other fellowships, but our fellowship to do over these past over 100 years. There's a recognition that our mission, that our accountability, that our doctrine, we could do more together. Any physics fans here? You like physics, like in your spare time, you just like study physics, read a physics book. Yeah, you won't raise your hand. You're like, I'm not raising my hand for that. You know, there's an equation in physics. Power equals work over time. Power equals work over time. 
And uh, power is determined by the amount of work done in a specific amount of time. And the joy in giving together is that we accomplish more in less time. And that's true, and that's what brings joy to giving. Not only is when it's not fueled by guilt, does that bring us joy? Not only the recognition that as we do it together, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a joyfulness in that because we can accomplish more and do more. But number three, there is a joy in giving because of the refreshment it brings. Refreshment. That's kind of an old-fashioned word, like, hey, let's have some refreshments. Like people, people that are maybe in your 30s or younger, you don't, you don't say refreshments necessarily unless it's in a certain setting. Um, but, you know, re refreshment is a word that's kind of an interesting word. Um, if you got to enjoy a little bit of that sun yesterday, just kind of peaked out a little warmer temperatures, maybe for some of you, it just kind of, it just kind of did something for you. You know, you just kind of breathe that in. Proverbs 11.25 says, the generous will prosper. This is actually in your bulletin today, this verse. The generous will prosper, and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. It is not incorrect to expect that a generous life will be filled with refreshment from God. It is not, it's not an incorrect statement. It is not false to expect that a person that is living a generous life will experience refreshment from God. There's something refreshing about giving. There's something refreshing about giving. And, and let, let, me, let me put this out there as a, as a why. It's like a tangible way of freeing yourself from the pull of money and things. It's like something tangible you can do, something practical, something that can be seen and experienced, something you can do that frees you and I from the pull and the allure of money. Dave Ramsey says it this way, giving is the antidote for selfishness. If you, if you this year got a flu shot, uh, maybe you got another COVID shot, whatever it might be, you got some type of a, a vaccination or some type of a antidote trying to ward off an illness or sickness. If you want to make sure that you stay far away from selfishness, one of the things you can do is give. Now maybe you say, I hate Dave Ramsey. I hate, I hate, I hate his voice. I hate, I hate how he yells at people and he's rude. I don't like him. That's great. No problem. Here's what King Solomon said. You can't hate him. Proverbs 1, verse 10, 18 and 19. He says here, my child, if sinners entice you, turn your back on them. Skip all the way down to verse 18. These people set an ambush. He's talking about these sinners. These people set an ambush for themselves. They are trying to get themselves killed. Such is the fate of all who are greedy for money. It robs them of life. It robs them of life. If you are not living a life marked by generous giving, you are really missing out on the joy and the refreshment of God. It, it's robbing you of full life. If, if in your life, uh, wherever you're at in, in age, wherever you're at in income level, if, if joyful giving is not a part of your life, 
It's, it's like you're being robbed. No one likes to be robbed. I remember when my brother and sister-in-law were uh, overseas and they were serving in a country and they, they had one, they had this day off. They're excited, just go out and do something and they got robbed. You know, some guy pulled a knife on them and stole my brother-in-law's, you know, camera and all kinds of stuff. And thankfully they weren't injured, but that was really devastating. You know, you, not only psychologically, but materially you, you're robbed. No one likes to get robbed. And if you're not experiencing that in your life, you're being robbed. And I don't want you to get robbed. I want you to keep everything God has for you. In 11, Proverbs 11.25, the word refreshing talks about refreshing others. And in the Hebrew, that word has a, a very strong connection to water. And nothing refreshes like water. Uh, I mean, there's all kinds of, I mean, for me, I mean, if I, could just, if I could just drink whatever I wanted to and suffer no consequences in life, I would just have a drip bag with, with Mountain Dew and chocolate milk. That's all, that would be it right there. That would be it, you know. And of course, you can't live like that, you know. Um, but those are the things I love. But, but, I say that, but there's still nothing like water. Like when you're really working outside and you're, I mean, you want some water. You might drink some other things, but at its core, man, you need some water. You need it. And so uh, there's nothing like it. If you're really hot and sweaty and you feel disgusting, which this really grosses me out still, but, and then there's a pool, you know, and you're going to throw your nasty body in that pool and everybody else is going to get in that pool. It's still disturbing to me to this day, but, but for the person that's, hot and nasty and gross, and man, you can just jump in that pool. I can, like, in my mind, I can picture when you're diving, your hands are wet, your shoulders are wet, your head's wet, your body's wet, your, you're all in. It's like that feeling of the immersion, just, ah, oh, there's nothing like water. There's nothing like being refreshed. Or if you, if you come home from work and you're just like, you need a shower, like your people in your house are telling you, you need a shower. Then here you are, and you are literally in the shower and that water just refreshes you. Uh, you get it, how water is refreshing. It's no wonder that communities around the world and throughout history were built around what? Water, water sources, because it's refreshing. When you're generous to someone, it brings life to them. It brings hope to them. It brings relief to them. And somehow in the process, the refresher the one doing the refreshing finds themselves being refreshed. I mean, when you know that your giving is making a difference, maybe it's relieving pain or relieving fear in someone's life. There's something about that that just makes you feel refreshed and alive. A feeling of contentment knowing that you have, that you, have uh, you know, you could have kept this amount of resource and decided, you know what? I'm just going to give it away to something or someone that I believe would really be able to benefit from it. There is a joy in giving because of the refreshment that it brings. And lastly, there is joy in giving because generosity brings joy to God. There's, there's joy in it because our generosity, our giving, brings joy to the Lord. Most of you know that my stepfather who raised me is from Guatemala. He passed away several years ago, but I can still mimic his voice and his accent. He always called me, Kiro, hey, Kiro. And he had a Hispanic accent. He had been in the U.S. for a long time, but he could never get rid of it. And I can hear his voice 
when I was playing baseball, especially baseball, I remember that more so, I don't know why. And uh, I'd be up at bat, or I, I was a pitcher too, I'd be pitching, and I'd hear him, hey kiddo, you can do it kiddo, throw the ball, come on kiddo, I can, I can hear him, you know, his voice just rings out, and, and when I would hit, or if I would throw a strike, I mean, hey, you know, it's like, uh, you watch international soccer fans, they go crazy, right, they go nuts, that was him. And plus he was the only Hispanic guy in my whole town, so it was like, I, it was just him. And the joy, the joy that he experienced from watching me do the things I was capable of doing is exciting. It was joyful for him. And I would suggest that there is joy in giving because when we're generous, when we're doing the things that we have been created to do, you weren't created, I was not created for selfishness. You and I were not created to hoard. You and I were not created to hold back and live with scarcity and fear. We were not created to do that. And so when we live in generosity, there's a joy that happens not only in us, but in God when he sees us functioning and trusting him and believing him. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 6, but when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Give your gifts in private. And your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. The writer of Hebrews, possibly Paul, says this, And don't forget to do good and share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God, that please Him. See, faith has always gotten God's attention. Look at Abraham. Faith, uh, Abraham believed God and was credited to him as righteousness. Look at the widow who put in her might. <laughs> and Jesus is like, oh, look at, look at what's going on over there. He, was, he, was, he, was, he said, that's, that's giving. Look at the centurion who said, Jesus, you don't even need to come to my house. You don't, even, you don't even need to come to where I live to see my servant healed. You can speak it from here because I get it. I tell, as a, as a military man, I tell people to go and they go. I tell them to come and they come. And, and, and I understand that. And I recognize that Jesus, you are God's son. You can say, do this and it'll happen from where you're at. Jesus was blown away. He had not seen such great faith in all of Israel. And when there's joy in our giving and that generosity, it's, it's faith. When you give something away, you've got to be prepared for the fact that you might need that later, but you don't have it anymore. There's a faith trusting God there. And I could tell you that you can receive the same joy from giving of your time, which really has a tremendous value, but it's, it's different. It has a tremendous value. When I've had people, I mean, our, our pastor, I remember we're at the house and we had, we had something, I can't even remember, it's been so many different times, but, you know, I've needed help with something and he'll come over. Uh, he may look all nice and clean this morning. I, he, he can get nasty, dirty, sweaty, just from pulling stuff up and moving things. And we've done all kinds of different things over at the house. And, you know, Time is certainly valuable. There's a real value in that. It's an incredible thing. 
But it's not the same as trusting God with the resources that we have. Scripture is clear that there's a unique faith that is expressed through you and I being generous financially. You know, Lent is coming up, the season of Lent. And it always, it always makes me laugh because it always makes me laugh because of this. It's funny all the things, and I'm not, making, I'm not poking fun of those that, that um, celebrate Lent at all, but I'm, I'm, I'm grouping us all in. Uh, what are you giving up for Lent? I'm giving up coffee. That might be hard. That might be difficult. We'll give up coffee, social media, video games, you know, football, everything. But you know what we don't want to give up? Food for fasting. We're like, I'm not giving up that. You know, I don't want to fast. Are you out of your mind? I can't do that. I mean, it's, 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 it's true. We give up TV and chocolate and a thousand other things. When it comes to what fasting is, fasting is food. You give up other things, just you take a break from it, whatever. But fasting is only related to food. And we don't ever want to do that ever. Not that, you know, that's something that required for righteousness. But in your moments and times in your life, it's important. It has a, a great value. And some would say, you know, I tithe and I give generously of my time. I actually figured that out. If you sleep eight hours a night and you work 10-hour days, seven days a week, your tithe of your time to give to God would be 6.2 hours. Some of you would try to figure that out later. My math is correct. <laughs> I did not take in the time eating. Sorry. So that means 6.2 hours every week you're going to give to God serving in some way. You're going to be doing that. I don't know many people that that maybe uh, that do that, but if you want to do that, then that would be it. But it's not the same as generous giving because there's a tie that, that objects and material things have to our lives and our heart that are sometimes very powerful. Sometimes it's driven by fear. We're truly at our core afraid, and, and we, we don't, we're not sure if God can be trusted. Uh, for some of us, it's, it's wrong doctrine. We're wrong thinking. We're not looking at the Bible as a whole. We're not seeing the thread of generosity that goes through the scriptures. We don't understand correctly. And for others, it's just sheer rebellion. We, just, we, don't, we don't want to. If, I, I've experienced that in my life. I, just, I don't want to. I have no good reason. I just don't want to. Rebellion. There's no guilt no shame, no condemnation being expressed on my half. I can assure you of that. But I want so much that each of you would experience the joy of giving. Because there's a joy that's unique to that, that's different than every other opportunity. And I didn't ask her before, but is there a way you could come to the uh, keyboard? I'm, I'm, Micaiah, if you could come to the keyboard and just play for a moment. I'd like to take a moment in prayer. I believe we need to respond to this and say, Lord, speak to my heart. Uh, again, if you're here and giving has never been a part of your worship, it just never has. I want to invite you today to a joy, an excitement that maybe you've never experienced before. And if you're here and you are a person that does give, you're a person that makes giving a part of your worship, praise God. And uh, have an open heart if God wants to expand that in some way. Maybe there's something coming up or a need that you've seen or a project that'll be happening that you're just like, you know, 
God, you, you kind of put that on my heart to do. And so this is what I'd like to do. Uh, if we could, could we stand together for just a moment? Could we stand together? And as Micaiah plays, Lord, we honor you today. We stand in your presence, God, and we honor you. We worship you. We say thank you for all that you are, all you do. All that you are and all that you do, Lord. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And Lord, we stand here today recognizing that, God, you are the owner of everything. Lord, I pray there would be an openness, an openness in this room, that you would speak to the lives of people. Lord, there are people in this room that possibly have just really embraced this, and, and they're just, man, they, they, they can attest to what I'm saying. There's a joy in giving that they have, they're living currently. God, praise God for people that are an example, people that, that just really... Um, uh, really are experiencing that or an example to, to, to the church. Lord, if there are some here that for whatever reasons, for whatever reasons, they're really not important, but joyful giving has, has just not been a part of, of their experience with you. Maybe a pocket here and there, but nothing, nothing consistent, nothing, nothing that they can point to and say, man, this has been a, a life-changing moment in time. And since then, things have just been different. God, your promise is, your promise is, is that there's refreshment. There's a, a giving that doesn't require guilt. And Lord, there's uh, not only blessing from it, but there's eternal impact from it that we can literally make a difference because of giving. And Lord, as we're here today, I just want to ask if you're here today and, and for this one, I'm not even going to look around for this one. I'm, it's unimportant if I look. But if you're here today with no one looking around and you would just say, maybe in your, in your own heart, in your own spirit, in your own, your own thinking, you're like, man, God's really challenging me. He's challenging me. And, and raising your hand in a moment, you're not saying you don't give. You're just saying God is challenging me. God is challenging me. And, and when it comes to giving, I want to become a joyful giver or a more joyful giver. If that's you, just want you to raise your hand. Just quick, put it up and put it down. I'm not even looking around. It's unimportant that I know who you are. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you see hands that have gone up, Jesus. God, that's our heart's cry today. Lord, we want to be a people that, that experience your joy, that experience your pleasure in giving. I'd like to do something here that is a little unusual, but it's, if we all do it, it's not weird. We all do it. It's not weird. Uh, if you can look at me real quick, just put your hands like this. Just put your hands. You don't have to raise them high. Just put them like this. And would you repeat this prayer after me? Jesus, I have heard your words of life today. And I want the reality of those words to work in my own life in a greater way than ever before. You see my faith today. Would you meet me that I might trust you with the resources you've given me? Help me to know the joy of giving in a greater way than ever before. 
in your name and for your glory. Amen. Amen. Father, you see each person here, and even though that was a prayer they were repeating, there are some in this room, they meant it. They meant those words. And I pray your blessing over them. God, I pray that, that, that they would find themselves in the weeks and the months to come, Lord, doing, really stepping out in faith, first small, but, but saying, God, I trust you, I trust you. And Lord, this would be something that, that would bring couples together, it would be something that brings families together. Lord, it would, it, would, it would be something that would bring clarity to something. As they do this, it would bring clarity to a decision, whatever it might be. Bless them today. And Lord, as we make giving priority and experience that joy of it, Lord, I pray that you would do things in their lives and through their lives that they could never have imagined. Would you bless your people today in a powerful way in the mighty and faithful name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you. Have an incredible day.